Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Hey, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner, alongside the big man, Big Al Clopine, Alan Clopine. Yes, that's me. I'm very me. excited right now. <laughs> me too. We got a great guest. His name is Joe Salcihai. And he started Stacking Benjamins. It's a podcast. And I got a little confession to make. Okay. So I'm a big fan of the podcast. Sure. So I listen to it on my way to the gym. I listen to it on the way to work and so on and so forth. You're, you're obsessed. I, I am. I mean, it's awful. It's almost scary, right? And I just listen to it and li- I, I go to bed to it. It's it's awful. So so I'm listening and, he, and, and Joe's going to this conference, right? And I'm like, oh, interesting. I wonder what's, where, where this conference is going to be. And then he's like, hey, we're going to be in San Diego. Oh, boy. And I was like, oh, boy. Now you're stalking him. <laughs> Wait for it. <laughs> so, right. So he's, he's like, hey, I'm going to host this party at this rooftop deck at the gas lamp. Well, I, I lived downtown San Diego for how many years? Right. Lots. And I'm like, well, I only, there's only really one nice rooftop deck. So you figured it out. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not that hard. I'm not, you know, I'm not that smart. So. Right, and I'm listening to it. And it's like, and it's Friday while I'm listening to this podcast, and he's like, "I'm going to be there on Friday," and I'm like, "You know what? I'm going to go." So I'm not part of the conference, right? And then so I work a little bit late. We do the radio show, and then I go down, have a couple beers, and I'm like, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to." And I grabbed Rob with me, who works with us. Sure. So I go to this bar, right? Rustic uh, Root, right down on oh, Gaslamp. Yeah, you bet. So I pop up, and then I'm like, "Oh, oh there he is." <laughs> There, so I had to have another beer, get my courage going, because, you know, I'm a pretty shy guy. Then I went up to him. I was like, hey, Joe, are you Joe? And he goes, yeah. And I go, hey, I'm Joe. And, so, and then I was starstruck. So without further ado. That was, that's all you can say. Yeah, that's it. And then I was just, hey, can I buy you a beer? Right. So um, I got Joe Saul CI on the line. Joe, welcome to the show, my friend. The good news, Joe and Al, is that the restraining order's on the way. <laughs> I think that's a good call. In fact, you probably shouldn't come to Southern California. Just, just saying. Right. I mean, it's it's Friday night. You don't think I have something better to do? No, it's, I'm stalking Joe Salcia. That's it's why you're single. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh well, Joe, tell our listeners here. You started this podcast, Stacking Benjamins, which I think is phenomenal. It's a personal finance. What what is the genesis behind the podcast? And tell us a little bit about it. So uh, th- thanks for having me, by the way, guys. And I-, I knew this was going to be fun. <laughs> but we, you know, on Stacking Benjamins, there's so many people out there that are giving great advice about money that I really didn't want to compete in that department. I just wanted to have a surround sound kind of show like Car Talk. You know, if you're familiar with NPR's old Car Talk with Cook and Clack, you listen to that show. It's a phenomenal show, ostensibly about cars, but you n- you never learn anything about a car. And that's kind of our mantra is that if you learn on anything listening to Stacking Benjamins, that's your problem. (laughs) Our goal is headlines. It's a magazine style show. We have great discussions just about current events and financial planning and uh, and making sure that people have the type of great help that's out there and that they don't get, you know, they don't get waylaid by some of the people that are a little sketchier than they should be. 
you know, you were in the industry uh, for what, 16, 17 years, and yeah. you just said, hey, I had enough? Yeah, you know, th that's kind of a funny story. So I loved financial planning. I was, uh, I owned an Ameriprise franchise, actually, and I did media for Ameriprise. I was one of 12 advisors in the nation that were allowed to speak on behalf of the company before going through compliance. You guys know what a bear for those companies' compliance is, right? Yeah, everything we talk about is always hypothetical or allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like when we, we, I met this client last week, hypothetically. Right. <laughs> Right. Well, and that's also the funny thing about about compliance is that I've become the master at talking for an hour and saying absolutely nothing <laughs> because that's well, we, we're, we're pretty good at that, too. <laughs> it's got that down. Yeah. But but we um, I, I had a mentor who was kind of the one of the regional management guys, and he wrote a letter. And you guys know that in the financial industry, in the trenches, you don't write a letter saying that you're leaving the company. You leave at midnight, you take the client files, and 6 a.m., everybody's calling to see who keeps the client, right? Right. right. Uh, so, so, but he didn't do that. He said, listen, I work way too many hours to know what I really want to do. I like financial planning, but I don't love it. And I think unless this reincarnation thing is true, I only have one shot to do this. And that really spoke to me because I do love financial planning, but I thought there were other things I wanted to do. I wanted to become a teacher. He used this phrase where he said, I have other mountains to climb. And what's awesome about Chris is that he, he climbed Mount Everest twice after he decided not to do financial planning anymore. And that just hit me hard. And so I was turning 40. So I sold my business, went to school to become a teacher. And then I realized that the teaching I like doing is all about money, right? I mean, I'd love the money teaching stuff. Just being in the trenches working with individual families was fun, but not not the grind that I personally was looking for. So that's kind of how Stacking Benjamins was born. It allowed me to talk about money in a way where we kind of learn through play. You know, uh, Joe, that just inspired me. I just turned 40. And I think... And you're going to climb Everest now? <laughs> I'm writing a letter over the weekend. <laughs> Pick up more mountains yeah. to climb. Oh, I'm out of here. Why don't you start with Cal's Mountain in San Diego? <laughs> oh, right. T take you 20 right. minutes. Oh. Do that or buy a Corvette. <laughs> oh my! So tell us, you know, with uh, the the genesis of the show, you, how long has it been? Um, like you're the number one ranked uh, financial podcast. How did that happen? I don't know. It was amazing because we just Kiplinger just called us number one last week. Art of Manliness, which is a big site for men, just put us on 27 podcasts that men should listen to. And, uh, and I have no idea how that happened. You know, I think you just, if you make, no matter what you do, whether it's making widgets or making podcasts or doing your radio show, being a financial planner, whatever it is, if you build something that, that is the kind of thing that you would like, and then you just hope like heck there's people as weird as you that like the similar stuff, then I think good things happen because all we've ever focused on is just trying to put out the best product that we possibly can. And, and, and people seem, people seem to come, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on. Um, you know, in the world today, we got a big election coming up here and money is such an emotional, um, part of people's lives. And for your podcast, when people listen to it, I think it eases some of that emotion you know, because when you just hear the dollars and cents and, you know, inflation is going to, you know, wipe you out and the stock market's going to go to zero and you got to buy gold and everything else. But when you listen to your podcast, it's like, I'm learning something. This is fun. And you know what? I, everything will be okay. 
But you guys know, you guys both know, because I hear it on your show, that that it's all behavior, right? There's all this noise going on. You've got all these big media, you know, CNBC, Fox Business, and they all have these talking heads, and everybody's talking about all the stuff you need to do now, yet you know most of the time the thing you should do is absolutely nothing, right? Study after study shows that that the the thing a great advisor brings to the table or that, that a great mentor, a great coach brings to the table is convincing you that holding the line is the perfect thing for you to do. So if you started a workout program, sticking with it. If you started a diet, stick with it. If you've got your asset allocation plan, you know, your diversified approach to your money, stick with it. And, uh, and it's so sad because we get letters all the time, like you guys do, about people that the trap they fall into is they let somebody convince them that, this, that sticking with it wasn't the right thing. Right. There's a study that was done. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard this study with uh, uh, soccer goalies, right? And so, so they looked at all right. So let's say you you're, you have a penalty kick, right? And the goalie's there, and that kick is coming at that goalie so fast, they have no idea if it's going to go right, left, or center. And so they did a, a statistical analysis, and if the goalie just stood there and did nothing, they would save more goals. But, right, could you imagine a penalty kick, World Cup, and the, the goalie just stands there? <laughs> You'd get fired. I mean, people would, like, freak out. But they have to dive, and that's why I'm like, why is he diving right when the ball went left? Because they have no clue. It reacts. So with being a goalie, you have to react, or else, you know, you look like you're not necessarily doing your job. And I think that's true with investments. When you hear, hey, you know, markets are at all-time highs, interest rates are at all-time lows, what is going on with this election, tax rates are going to change, and so on. So people feel that they have to react to that. The election's Tuesday, so maybe I should sit in cash and then just wait till who gets elected. I mean, yeah, I can time it coming out, but tr trying to come back in is a, a totally different story, too. To your point, Joe, it's funny. I had... Uh I had uh, a trainer at near the end of my first year as a financial advisor who said something that I still think today, I thought it was horrible at the time. I, I still think it's horrible. He said, because the market was kind of shaky at this, at this point, and he said, listen, when clients come in and the market's shaky, you got to move something. And I said, yeah, but we set this up because it's the right thing to do. He goes, yeah, but your goal is to stay hired, right? Your goal is not to have good financial planning. Your goal is to stay hired. And if you don't move something, then they're going to fire you. And I thought, I thought, what, what, what horrible advice just to move something just, just to make sure that I keep my job. Like if I'm really good at my job, I've got the guts to sit in there and look my client in the eye and say, you know what? We set this up for a reason. And now it's time for the, the, the battle to begin. And, and we do have to stand here. So, but I can just imagine that soccer goalie saying, well, coach, you know, it was the right thing for me. <laughs> right, exactly. Hey, uh, coach, did you, I, I saved the ball. Right. <laughs> Who cares? You look horrible. <laughs> you look like a moron. Move. <laughs> oh, boy. So you know, there, there was a study done, too, um, on financial advisors, right, um, since we're ripping on our profession. It, they looked at right after 2008, 2009. And so they, and this was a recent study. I think it was just a few years back. And then they asked financial professionals, hey, have you changed your investment philosophy after 2008? And what do you think most advisors said, yes or no? 
Oh, it's got to be yes. Yes, of course. It's like 90% of them, right? Oh, yeah, of course. I've changed. So what are they doing? They're buying high now. If they would have just stayed with their strategy, it's like it's so funny. It's like you didn't have confidence then. Why why, why would I stay with you? If you yeah. didn't know what you're doing then, how do you? How do I know what you're doing now? If you have no clue, really, of how markets work and correlations and uh, diversification and blah, blah, blah. But it's, you know, they, they, they felt that they had to move because, in the, like, advisors were having, uh, like, P- PTSD. <laughs> like, you should not be in the business. I, I think it is fun to rip financial advisors because there's some that are really bad. But I'll tell you a lesson that um, that I heard far too often was people would, would say, well, you know what? I had a financial advisor. They stunk. So I'm not doing that. And every smart person I ever had, Joe, when I was when I was an advisor, every smart person that was a client of mine was somebody that could have done my job on their own. But they always went to an advisor because they needed somebody good looking over their shoulder. It's just don't have one that sucks. Right. <laughs> you don't say, well, I tried to drive that car and that car wasn't driving straight. So I'm not driving cars anymore. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make sense. And there's certainly enough uh, people. We could just rip advisors all day. But there's also some excellent people out there in the business who I really look up to. You know, and um, I, I know you got to go, and, and we, we blew up our clock here, but I don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Dr. Uh, Daniel Crosby, um, I heard him on your show. He was actually on our show just a few weeks. Actually, after I heard him on your show, I called him to book him on my show. <laughs> yeah. So just keep on getting good guests, Joe, because I'm just going to just. <laughs> Joe, he just steals. We steal everything from your show. Yeah. So all your guests, they're coming here. Yes, right. That's great. Welcome to Stacking Hamilton. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right. That's right. <laughs> oh, you, just wait for it, brother. Just wait for it. Oh, uh, so and now I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, so he was talking to all right. The, the the benefit that a financial advisor brings, and so they they surveyed a lot of really good financial advisors, and the financial advisors were saying, you know what? I think the biggest value add that I can bring to my client is to make sure that they stay on track that they have the right financial strategy in mind, that when they get emotional or they want to do stupid things, we help them and consult them to make sure that they don't run out of money, right? So uh, uh, the majority of the advisors felt that that was their main purpose, but then then they asked the client, right? And I think only 6% felt that they needed any type of that coaching whatsoever. <laughs> so there's such a huge disconnect within the industry itself. It's like, because that, I, I wholly believe that is true, that a good financial advisor is to help people accomplish their goals through good times, bad times, and so on. But there's so much overconfidence on the other side of the table. It's like, well, I don't need that. I need you to help me pick the best stock. And I mean, seriously, I mean, it, I think, it yeah, I'm I sorry, go ahead. No, I think it takes a lot of guts to hire somebody who's going to be your own personal Gordon Ramsay, right? I mean, I think it takes guts to be the type of client that wants to hire somebody who's going to say, you know what, Al, you really messed that up. You stepped in it today, big time, pal. And and it's hard for advisors to do that because like, you know, my trainer said my first year, well, you don't want the client to fire you. But I found the more blunt I got and the more I just challenged people about their thinking when I disagreed with it, the more people wanted to hire me. And that's probably who you should be looking for if you're out there searching for an advisor. That's Joe Salcija. Go to stackingbenjamins.com. Please go to stackingbenjamins.com. I am telling you, um, I, I love the podcast. I'm, I stalked this man. So, and um, hey, thanks for the beer, by the way. And the T-shirt, I wear it every Saturday. <laughs> he's he's lying. He wears it every day. Yeah, I was gonna say probably hasn't washed it yet. 
it still has your stench on it, Joe. I can't. I can't. Well, Stacking Benjamins is not that great a show, but it's a hell of a lot better than this one. So. <laughs> That's our new slogan. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, all right, we got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. We'll be back in a second. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Uh, Joe Anderson, Big Al Klopline. Just got off the line with uh, Joe Salcihai from Stacking Benjamin. Yeah, that was fun, Joe. You're right. Great guy. Stacking Hamiltons. Yeah, that's our new show. <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and boy. And he's got uh, what he's, I think he has a uh, Twitter, Average Joe. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we could do that, too. Average Joe and Al. <laughs> Yeah, that's yes, exactly. We can just steal everything. Oh boy! Now you know it's Saturday. It's uh, it's. We thought you know let's lighten it up a little yeah, bit. Uh, why not? I mean, everyone's so serious right now with this election season, huh? Oh boy! So uh, a couple of things. Here's a few things you can get our podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Sure. Um, if you want to get, well, here's what we do with our podcast is that we basically do this two-hour radio show. And then we cut it to the best of, best of, which usually ends up to be about seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> By the time you find it and hit play, it's over. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you can go to Your Money, Your Wealth on iTunes and some other yep. pod- Pod- podcast apps. You can find us almost anywhere. Yeah. So uh, subscribe. If you like it, tell us that. If you don't like it, tell us that as well. Um, we're always striving to be better. Yes, we I are. I think I can say that. I think so. If you don't like it... T- t- Tell us not yeah, don't yeah, like it. Right. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, just be honest. Yeah. We could take it. <laughs> but, but sometimes. Nice. <laughs> uh, emails are just going to flood in. These are idiots. Uh, and we do get those. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, go to our website at um, uh, purefinancial.com to get more information about Big Al, uh, myself, and the team we have at Pure Financial Advisors. Like I said, we're a fee-only registered investment advisor. Uh, what we do is financial planning. So if you're in need of any type of financial planning services, that's where you go, purefinancial.com. Now back to your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 AFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Uh, Joe Anderson here alongside Big Al. Uh, just catching our breath from Joe Salcihai, yeah, stackingbenjamins.com. It's fun to talk to you. It's got a lot of, lot of personality. Yeah, good. Good podcast. Yeah, it's funny. He talked about uh, they tried to make their show like Car Talk. And I used to tell people, used to, well, let me let me rephrase. I told my wife, <laughs> people, <laughs> told my wife, Anne, yeah, we're trying to do a show like Car Talk. And she listened to it once. And then like a month later, how do you like our show? I listen to Car Talk. Yours is nothing like that. <laughs> Theirs is actually funny. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh. Yeah, but we well, try. We do. We try. We do. We try. Hey, it's that time. Question corner? Yeah. Qu- question corner? It's the question corner. Wow, you worked on that one a long time. <laughs> yeah, I didn't write it. <laughs> okay, just imagine some music coming up. <laughs> all right. It's coming, Al. So th- this is going to be a fully th- produced radio show uh, in no time at I all. I can't wait. Okay, we got a, a few questions here uh, in the email bag. Okay. So um, these are some good ones, Alan. Okay, good. Here's one from... Jessica in El Cajon. Okay. What are some examples of a value-added tax? Okay. You ready for that? Yeah, I guess so. That's... A value-added tax, also VAT, V-A-T for short. That's a, that's like a, a sales tax, right? So you, you buy something, you know, for 
for 10 bucks and you got to pay sales tax so it's value added tax so it's it, it's a tax added to the value of the item that you purchased and so right now we're all familiar with sales taxes or most of us some states actually don't even have sales tax like state of Oregon for example but California which we broadcast from has a fairly robust sales tax and the amount that you pay of course depends upon the county that you're in but it's somewhere around eight eight and a half percent depending upon the county that's a value-added tax, and Joe, the, uh, there's been talk for years and years and years to have our federal tax system be a value-added tax, and it hasn't really caught on, and I'll just give you my opinion. I, the reason why I think it hasn't caught on is because the wealthy can only buy so many things, and so the burden of tax is going to be shifted on all the rest of us, the poor middle class, because we're the ones buying stuff. So I think that's the problem with that tax as a national tax. So they would get rid of the federal income tax system mm-hmm. entirely yeah and just say all right anything that you purchase then there's going to be this value-added tax yeah, and, and then have, that value-added tax goes to the federal government to pay for everything that's right and i don't know would it be 20 percent? i have no idea what it would be i haven't I haven't seen anyone actually run numbers but it would be a pretty high amount so people would freak out probably well they'd still get by you know there, there'd be a lot of underground economy there'd be buying used stuff it's like ooh, <laughs> oh, yeah. someone out the corner like open up i got shirts i got <laughs> shoes over no value added tax yeah bootlegging <laughs> you gotta bootleg some shoes all right um here's <clears throat> one from a uh, steve from oceanside okay uh joe allen i am 60 years old and plan to retire at 67. Okay? I have a 403B, a HSA, and a couple mutual funds. But I keep hearing from you guys that I should start a Roth IRA. Why would I start a Roth at the home stretch? At the home stretch. In other words, she's thinking, or he. he Steve. Steve. It's a he. Usually a guy, right? <laughs> Most cases. <laughs> unless, unless it's Stevie. Like Stevie, Stevie Nicks. Nicks. Yeah. Sorry, Steve. Um, Anyway, I guess, you know what, a lot of people hear that I should do my, I should have a Roth IRA, I should put money into a Roth IRA when I'm young, right? Because then I have all these years to have this compound growth tax-free. When I'm already right, right next to retirement, what's, what's the difference? Why would I possibly do that? So what do you think, Joe? Ta- well, there's no better rate than zero, right? <laughs> You know? Yeah, in retirement. In, in retirement. So you get some money in a Roth IRA and you pull it out, you pay no tax on it. So you're 60 years old. You want to work for another seven years, all right? Well, it depends on what his income is, but let's say if you're saving money anyway, you can put $6,500 into an account that all future growth is going to grow tax-free. Your your life doesn't stop at age 67. The likelihood of you living another 20 years is high. So now you're in your 70s and 80s. These dollars now have accumulated over the last 10, 15, 20 years, all tax-free for you. So when you're at the home stretch, what, I mean, what are you knocking on, <laughs> right? Well, that's a good point, because home stretch for a lot of people is now in their 80s and 90s, right? right? So, so 60 is actually still pretty young. Yeah, and so we highly encourage people to take a look at this type of planning, because it's not like the finish line is your retirement. I mean, yeah, we have to change right. the mindset of individuals to say, all right, my my finish line is death, not necessarily my retirement date, and that the assets are I will need 
you know, long term. Yeah, here's another thing too, Steve, is is if you're contributing money into your 403B, of course, I don't know what your income is. Or tax bracket or anything Or, or anything, but I'm just going to make an assumption here that you may be above the IRA contribution uh, income limitation rules, meaning you cannot contribute to an IRA, regular IRA, and take a tax deduction. I'm making some assumptions, but if that's true, but if your income uh, as a single taxpayer is is, is uh, below $116,000 or a married taxpayer below $184,000, you can do a full Roth contribution, which is, in your case, $6,500, being 60 years of age. So that's true if you're 50 and older. So it's like, why wouldn't you put money to a Roth IRA as a contribution? Because there's no tax to pay. You could just leave it in your trust account, but all future and income and growth is taxed at whatever, if it's either ordinary rates or capital gain rates, depending upon how it's invested. Once it's in a Roth IRA, those same investments generate complete tax-free income. Why wouldn't? It's a, it's a no-brainer. no-brainer. Right, totally no-brainer. Right? And if you're in a low tax bracket right now, you actually want to even look at Roth Conversion. conversions relative to your retirement. Now, a lot of things we've got to know about you before we would say whether that's a good idea or not. All right. And then a couple of other added things here. If you got a 403B, I'm throwing another stab for right. a lot of you listening that have a 403B, I would imagine that you are probably a school teacher. Right? So 401Ks are for the private. You know, And so if I'm a school teacher, maybe I work at a hospital. I have a 403B plan. And in most cases, Alan, we've been doing this, right, a couple of days, is that if you have a 403B, you probably also have a pension. And so if you have a pension, and some of those pensions are significant amount of income, that it's probably replacing very close to the amount of income that you're making right now. And so if you think of it this way, is that, all right, well, here, my pension is going to replace a large portion of my paycheck today. So what's the likelihood of me being in a lower tax bracket? Diversification from taxes is key. So then now, if I keep funding the 403B pre-tax, all of that's going to come to me as taxable income. Once you reach 70 and a half, a few years after your retirement, you are required to pull those dollars out. That's going to be on top of any other type of fixed income that you have, which could potentially put you in a higher tax bracket. So there's a lot of different variables that you want to look at in regards to should you invest in a Roth IRA, should you not invest into a Roth IRA, you know, and then of course, what's the investment strategy and so on. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joey Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner with Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Go to purefinancial.com, yourmoneyyourwealth.com. That's what we have to start talking about. We do, yes. Yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Okay. Go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Dot com. Yes. <laughs> have you heard of this new website, Al? It's called Your Money, Your Wealth. What is it, Joe? <laughs> your Money, Your Wealth? Yeah, marketing. I got this list here. Please say yourmoneyyourwealth.com eight times. Eight times. It doesn't say in a row, though. <laughs> oh, it didn't. Well, we forgot to say it the other segments. <laughs> so here you go. Okay, what, what was... See, I have to deal with the brunt of this. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What was the name of that website? Your Money, Your Wealth. Dot com. com. Yeah. Got it. Subliminal. <laughs> Whisper are, it. You are hungry. <laughs> Pull over. Well, I answer the next question. Just, All right. just whisper your money, your wealth.com. Oh, boy. Uh, this is uh, from Megan. Our employee. No, I don't know. It says oh, f- Megan from Mission Hills. Mission Hills? I don't think Megan lives in um, I don't think Mission so. Hills. I think she lives downtown. Does she? I, I, I don't think we should be telling where our employees live <laughs> on the radio. Well, you, she, yeah, I think she lives in, uh, you, you yeah, s- her address is. You said it. <laughs> I know. As soon as I said it, I was like, damn it. 
Uh, all right. How much money or how much income can I make uh, a year before my Social Security payments are reduced? So here, here's the question. Okay. So if I'm 65 years old, how much income can I make a year before Social Security payments will be reduced? What income is included in this amount? Oh, wow. I'm going to let you answer that. It's, it's about 40000 but you know it more better than I do. All right, so here's a couple of rules. If you collect your Social Security from 62 um, until the year of your full retirement age, you could make it's, sixteen thousand dollars yeah. roughly. It's fifteen thousand four seventy. Well, it's it's, it's about fifteen thousand six hundred, but in that range. Yeah, sixteen thousand bucks. Yeah. Okay. So if you make more than sixteen thousand dollars roughly, it's fifteen thousand seven forty thousand four seventy. <laughs> I don't know. I'm dyslexic. You any uh, two dollars earned, uh, they take a dollar back. So if you make more than I'm just going to round here to sixteen thousand dollars from sixty two to the year of your full retirement age. Any dollar or $2 earned after that, they take a buck back. So claiming at 62 doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, 15720 Oh, I said 740 You were really close. <laughs> 20 off. All right. And so then once you reach your full retirement year, it's not the year before, it's the full retirement year. So let's say my birthday's in June. Right? And let's assume that my full retirement day or um, a year or age is 66. Okay. Okay. So I do not turn 66 until June, and we'll just assume it's January. Okay. So then that's six months before I turn full retirement age. Okay. So in the year you turn that full retirement age, you can make 41880 41880 <laughs> That's pretty good, Opted. That's really good. Close. I was right. well. I said it was about forty thousand. So pretty... Al's got the book in front of him. <laughs> of course. So it's a it's a cheat sheet. <laughs> yes. And it's so look at that. It's, it's got pure financial on it. And so three dollars earned, they take a buck back over that forty two thousand dollar mark. So hopefully, if you're looking at all right, well, and, and then what constitute is that income? It's wages, self employment. Um, so if you have a W-2 paycheck, if you're self-employed, so interest, dividends, your, your pension payments, um, 401k distributions, that is not included in that calculation. That is only if you are working, collecting a paycheck, paying Social Security tax. So um, it's, just, it's just earned income. Earned so, income. So salary or self-employment income, right? That's what it comes down to. Exactly. So if you're still working, then it applies. If you're not working and have pension, interest, dividends, and things like that, then you're good to go. Yeah, that's a good point, Joe, because I think a lot of people think it includes investment income, and it doesn't. It's only your earned income that counts towards these this computation. Um, here's the next question. we got time for probably one more here. Okay. All right. Uh, can I apply to have 401k funds pay for a home purchase instead of an existing loan? I have an employer-based 401k plan, still employed. I'm 55 years old with an existing loan from my retirement account. Can I still apply to have funds from this account go towards my first-time home purchase? Or must I repay my existing loan before the funds can be applied to a down payment of the home? Also, how much can I withdraw for the down payment? Well, it's ten grand that you can pull out of a retirement account, right, penalty-free. Right, you still pay tax. You're still paying tax. Right. So, fifty-five first-time home purchase. Yeah, you could pull ten thousand. But when it comes to the loan, I still think it's up to the plan document, right? Because here's what happens: and a company establishes a four hundred one k plan, and then they draft a plan document that sets different rules and regulations within the overall plan. 
So each plain document could be totally different depending on some of the, the added bells and whistles or whatever that people do. You know, they might say no in-service withdrawals. Well, other firms say, yes, you can take the money out at any age, right? There, there's different things that, or hey, you have to have distributions this way or the stress. So you have to look at the plan document. When it comes to loans, I don't know the law. I would imagine if I have a loan existing on my 401k and if I want to take a, a distribution as well for a first time home purchase, I see no problem with that. Yeah, that would be my hunch too. I don't know 100% uh, either, Joe. And I think, uh, and we of should course, probably read these questions before beforehand we and actually have the real answers. Yes. <laughs> I, I think Note people, to self. People like us to fumble around a little Note bit. Note to self. Anyway, here's, here's a couple things I do know. And that is not Maybe. all 401ks have loan provisions. So yours might, yours might not. If you have a loan provision, a 401k will allow you to borrow up to half the balance or $50,000, right? Whichever is lower. Right, so if you got forty thousand dollars in your four hundred one k and you have this loan provision, you could borrow twenty thousand dollars. What would your advice be, Al? So let's say I'm going to you and say, you know what, my account balance at my four hundred one k plan, let's say, is a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. So what I here's the rules with loans is that you could take fifty percent out of the the balance or up to fifty grand. Right? Sure. Did you just say that? Yes, I did. Okay, but that's right. You okay. weren't listening. <laughs> well, I was not, because <laughs> I was just thinking. Next time I'm going to read these questions before we get on the air. <laughs> I thought you told me you liked it because I'd never seen them. I thought you'd seen them. No. No, you hadn't seen no, them either. No, Deb gives them to oh, me as soon okay. as we get on the air. Okay. She goes, here's your questions for the day. I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> and then we go from there. Yeah, all right. All right. Because it's like a, like a call-in. Yes. Right? Yeah, we, it's, yes, it's just like a call-in. Yeah, but it's, that's the idea. It's, it's supposed to be fresh. <laughs> fresh. It's just we need easier questions. Anyway, here's like the question. Like, ask us what's an IRA. Here's we can the answer question. That one. Here's the question. Okay. What advice would you give me? Alan, I want. Should I take a loan out of my four hundred and one k for the down payment, or should I take a distribution? I know that the right advice is go somewhere else besides a retirement account, but say I'm doing it regardless. Okay, you're doing it one way or another. One way or another. Uh, so what is going to be less the painful? Well, I guess it depends if you're over fifty nine and a half. I'm fifty five. You're, you're fifty five, according to this person. Fifty 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 five. All right, let me think about that. I think I would probably, if, if I had to do it one way or another. Um, I would probably do the loan myself. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. Because then you avoid the taxes altogether mm -hmm. on it. You pay it back, but... It's it's not a great solution. It's not. It's all about cash flow. Right. Well, according to... If you listen to the previous segment, Al has a lot of cash flow. <laughs> no, that was last hour. <laughs> so... so but yeah, it's, it's cash flow. Can you... I mean, uh, uh, well, in this instance, if he needs to take a distribution, I would imagine then cash flow is not that great. Yeah, right. And so then he's going to have a mortgage payment plus the 401k loan my, payment my get, that right. might blow him up. Right. And my guess is if, you, if you're if you borrowing money from your 401k, you probably have a car loan too. Yeah, right. You, probably, you well, probably have credit card debt. Don't buy the house. <laughs> that's, that's actually the best advice. Wait, you can't get, afford the house, so clean, don't do it. Clean up your financial situation first. first. I, that is great advice. Right. Pay off the loan of your 401k plan, get some savings in your, right? And then look at buying a house that you can afford. When, Apparently, you, can, when you can afford it. Yeah, cash flow is not good. You already got a loan on your 401k plan. You're thinking about tapping out. But people then sometimes say, well, oh, I'm so afraid the market is going to get away from me. You know what? The real estate market, it goes up, it, it comes back. It goes. I mean, it does. It's your primary residence. Right. It's, it's Don't not, buy a primary it, residence like I did. As soon not, as I bought it, I wanted to sell it. <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> You're you're a single guy living in a suburbs. It's Doesn't it's just what, stay downtown. What am I thinking? It's so lonely there. 
<laughs> I thought you had a neighbor that walked around 80-year-old yeah. ba- bathroom. Yep, bathroom. Still walking oh, still. around? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, he, just in his yard. Front yard. Bathroom. Bathroom. <laughs> 80 years old. Hey, have, Jim. Have, have you tried that? Maybe that suburbia life. You're supposed to walk around like, in the bathroom. Is, is this guy, is he all right? What are you doing? <laughs> Put some clothes on, sir. <laughs> He's tinkering with this stuff. His car. He's in his bathroom. He's in the bathroom. Yeah, don't like, look too closely. Uh, yeah, right, over. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> All right, hey, that's it for us. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Check our podcast out on iTunes, Your Money, Your Wealth. Go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Uh, and that's it for us next week. We got a great guest. I have no idea who it is, but it's going to be good. We got some more um, email questions that we're going to answer. And then we'll also have um, a couple great articles. We'll have a good topic, I'm sure. Yes, I'm sure we're going to have a topic <laughs> of the week. And that's it for us. Have a wonderful weekend. For Big Al Clopine, I'm Joe Anderson. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth.